Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Thank you all very much for joining us, and welcome to Firing Range, a podcast to talk about all things Destiny weapons, abilities, loadouts, and the sandbox at large. Boys, good to see you, as always. It's been a long two weeks. How you doing? Cool guy. Gotta tell you, buddy, good games today. Had a good time. I know, man. Had a good time. It's pretty fun, man. I I haven't been on the old uh, Xbox in a while, you know? Yeah, um, I've been doing pretty good. Very, very good. Speaking of Xbox, PSO dropped today, so that's what I've been on. So it's funny you mentioned that. And I'm always on the Xbox. I'm one of the uh, the last holdovers from the from the Halo generation. Haven't been convinced to get a PC or a PS4 yet. Good for you, man. <laughs> Don't give into the peer pressure. For real. You know, that was something that always kind of like, I know we have a lot of things to talk about. That was always kind of something that was weird to me when Destiny 1 came out and everyone's like, oh, well, PlayStation, everyone's going to be on PlayStation. Everyone's going to be on PlayStation. So it's like, but why though? Like, it's Bungie, right? Didn't we all grow up playing Halo? If we're all that fans was of Bungie. Too. Yeah. So I was like, it's going to be Xbox, bro. Because the Halo crew is going to stick around for Bungie round That's two. That's what I always thought too. But everyone was on PlayStation. <laughs> somebody put PlayStation had the exclusives, right? They yeah, the exclusives. yeah, they did. They bought, they bought everyone's shit. love. <laughs> they surely did. I had a friend who was like, oh, yeah, dude, I was Xbox like my whole life. But then I heard about Destiny and the PlayStation exclusives. So like I sold Xbox, bought a PlayStation. And I was like, wow, you really had faith <laughs> before that game came Just out. Just wait, wait till you hear, what's Halo? And then, oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Oh, oh. But actually, I think there actually is a lot of people in the Destiny community that haven't really played too much Halo. It was surprising to me, but I actually think there isn't as many people as you'd think. Whatever the number is, I would be appalled. Even if it was really high, I would be appalled because it wouldn't be high enough. (laughs) Anyway, enough about uh, my dinosaur rantings from an old Bungie game. Good to have everyone here. Uh, we are firing range, and uh, I think we have, before we get going, just a little bit of a thing to talk about. Uh, three peaking. Oh, this is, oh no. Yes, this is like kind of the hot button issue. 
floating around the community right now. And I think some of us have uh, some things to say on the matter. Maybe we should start off with a history lesson. Drew, to tell the people at home, what is three peaking? So three peaking in Destiny 2 is either using your emotes, that is on your emote wheel, of course, any emote, because, uh, or you can use a sword to change your camera into third person where you can see your character, but more importantly, you have a wider FOV and you can see past your character while remaining in cover. It brings your camera into a third person view. That's why it's called three peaking. Um, essentially, it's the act again of using one of those things, going to third person and peeking beyond what you'd normally be able to see in your first person view, um, again, but while in complete safety. So obviously that's going to create problems, right? Or at least that's what we think. I mean, we are all seasoned players. How often do we go into PvP, especially trials, right? It's probably going to depend mm -hmm. on the, the game type. If you're in a game of... 6v6 control probably no one's really gonna care uh, you know but if you're in a game where you have one life to live uh everyone's kind of entering standoff mode might cause a little bit of a conflict yeah yes that's where i was gonna go take it away cammy sure sure so it avoids engagement and i try to maybe play around the radar try to manipulate it and even when i go on an off radar flank if someone's sitting third person they can see me and that defeats the whole purpose and it leads to a stalemate. And so the more incentive there is to win a mode, the higher the stakes, the more you see people do this because it's a very safe option. It's a safe option that makes gameplay very, very slow, boring, and overall lowers the ceiling in my opinion. Well, if there was an objective can... incentive to... Yeah, go for it, Drew. I was going to say, it's not, even, it's not even just that. It's Well, I was you were just going to mention, but it's the nature of the game mode. There's higher stakes because it's elimination. So if you die or get picked, it's there's that much more of a repercussion. We talked about a lot, I think last week as or the last episode as well, um, the importance of getting like you know the first pick and just after you get the first pick, you dive and just push your numbers. And no one wants to be that first pick, especially in Elam. And like you were about to say, I'm sure that I can tack on that is that mm -hmm. because there's no objective that spawns, in my opinion, in a timely manner at least right now. Well, I mean, you know, why not get perfect or, you know, ample information on your enemy without having to put yourself at risk, which is exactly what third-person peeking does. So real quick, I'll bring up the points that are probably in a comment section. Uh, first one being, how is this any different from the class abilities? Well, to that, I would say you give up a class ability. You lose your dodge, you lose your rifts, you lose your barricade. I don't currently really agree with the cooldown speed being tied to the neutral stats right now, but I think that's a discussion for another time. Sure, yeah. It yeah. adds to that. Yeah, I, I was going to say as well, like, just there's, there's a big difference between using your class ability in order to take yourself into third person because you're still utilizing a resource that you're now not able to have, potentially, in, uh, in a combat scenario. If I'm going to use my hunter dodge to see third person... I'm now giving up the ability to disengage very easily should I get into a gunfight. Um, or I don't have a healing rift where it would actually be really beneficial and maybe win an engagement or round for my team in trials because I've used my healing rift to third person. Uh, there's a, almost like a bit of an economy that you, you know, you're giving something up. Merck, you were going to add to that? Yeah, I actually have a question for you guys. So if you 
don't like the third person peaking aspect of it, what would you do to negate it in trials and stuff? I mean, would you remove the ability to emote from trials or I'm, I'm honestly curious. Why, a great I know, question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever gets don't it done, like it. whatever I, gets it done, whatever is the most realistic solution. I so, have a few ideas. Drew, Drew hit me. I, 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 I've thought about this way too much, <laughs> but, um, the things I, if I had an ideal scenario in my ideal world, um, I would have emotes are only uh, able to be used at the end of a round when it says opponents eliminated. So you can still do your flexing. Um, <laughs> but uh, sword hilts, which is the next thing, do not go a third person if they do not have ammo. I'm aware that that might not be practical and an actual fix as I assume that means they need first person models and animations and all that kind of stuff. But in my perfect world, that is how I'd walk. That's actually not a bad idea, um, because that way, if you had a sword that you would bring into Trials, at least I think it's a good idea, you would get power ammo, and now you have the ability to do that. But it's not like you're having the ability to do that unlimited with no repercussions yes. the entire game, yep. right? I'll add on to that, too, and say that the sword hilt is more powerful than emotes because you can move while doing them. An emote locks you into wherever you started the emote, and if you cancel it, it brings you back to first person. So with the sword hilt, you can run around third person. You even have a crosshair on your screen from the sword, too. And this allows you to line up abilities with the sword. And someone in the comment section always says, this wasn't an issue in D1. No, this was absolutely an issue in D1. There just wasn't enough figureheads to bring it up. So back in the day, uh, website game battles, people would play to win sometimes for money and bragging rights and whatnot. And when it came down to the 1v1 ladder, guess what everybody was oh, doing? Oh, man. <laughs> it, dude, it was uh, sorting and fusion grenades. Yep. Like and it works day. in D2 just as good. You sacrifice a barricade, you run around with the hilt, toss a fusion grenade. Uh, even on a map like Rusted Lands, this was last weekend, there's so much uh, low cover, like the pipes and whatnot, where if you have the sword hilt out, you can see that they're maybe on the silo across the map you line it up with the crosshair and just chunk a nade from behind cover and it'll one-shot them. All from safety. Perfect info. Yeah, it's a pretty wild topic. And uh, I know, again, we have a lot to talk about today. I wanted to bring it up because mm -hmm. if there's something spicy going on in PvP, we want to talk about it. We want you to talk to us about it. So if you're listening to this show right now, first of all, thank you. And second of all, if you have a strong opinion about emoting in a game, about looking around a corner with a sword, Get at us. Let us know on Twitter what your thoughts are. We want to hear from you. And uh, unless anyone else has anything to say on that subject, you guys want to jump in to our main topic today. Anybody? There you go, buddy. Uh, like, really, there's no such thing as a gentleman's game, right? Mm -hmm. You can't go in before, all right, they're not going to three-peak us. We're not going to three-peak them. We're just going to go. Does that make sense? Like, it everyone's does. out there to win. It's going to happen. Like, every, I'm pretty sure every single game I played had it some form or the other, whether it be by sword or by emote. So it's uh, honestly, it, it gets passed on, right? It's it's beyond us, right? Because we can't do anything about it. Uh, it's going to be up to them. Maybe they can have them only enabled after the round, right? Maybe you can emote when the round's over, something like that. What if uh, but as it currently sits, it's going to happen. You. Be prepared for it. When you're looking down a lane, like you got there first, you should be okay. Like, why aren't there anybody? You know, there's somebody there. They're looking at you. They know that you're sniping. Good luck. Like, 
it, it really slows everything down. And I, I also like to see minute and a half rounds instead of two. But yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that as well, cool guy. I actually want to see one minute rounds. I want the zone. The zone seems like the only thing that actually forces people to engage. Um, and if it's coming up sooner, that means there's going to be more demand to get to that place and control that place, be in the, the driver's seat for the round. So I would like to see one-minute rounds. Um, and my rule with three-peaking for myself, it's going to happen, though, like you said. But for me, I like to try and play uh, regularly um, as, as much as I can. But when, when it happens, floodgates are open. Be prepared for it and be ready for that's That's how the game's played right now. Well put. Well put, everybody. And with that, we're going to move forward and jump into today's main topic, which is building the PvP deck. If you don't know what the heck we're talking about, I think it was an earlier episode where I think Drew was talking about how he prepares for a game of PvP. And he whipped out a little bit of a nerdy reference, Drew. What was it? Yu-Gi-Oh! Am I remembering correctly? <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I love playing... Um... I love playing Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively. It's a card game. Um, and it's I know a lot of people out there like Magic as well. I, I personally don't play it, but a lot of people like that. And I, I use the reference of deck building and use that uh, and compare it to making a loadout in Destiny. So when I make a loadout, I, I treat it like building a deck. In Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic, you want to select the cards that you're going to use in your deck. Um, and obviously, there's going to be a bunch of things. They're going to have certain synergies. Certain things work better together. Uh, certain things counter other things that maybe you're weak to, etc., so forth. It's just the idea of putting um, different things together um, in, in, you know, in, in crafting, uh, well, what I refer to as a deck, except in Destiny, it's a loadout. And I love that analogy. It's awesome. Because I kind of think that I've been doing that maybe, I don't know, whatever you want to say, subconsciously. But it makes sense when you present it that way. And you do build your deck. You know, sometimes you build it based on the map sometimes you build yep. it based on the game type uh or if you have a subclass that you like there's a lot of different things where you can start and if anyone wants to jump in i'm going to do mine real first uh, real quick first when i'm building a loadout you know building the deck it was making me think of competitive pokemon okay back in the day played a lot of competitive pokemon games mad hype don't throw shade okay I uh, <laughs> I was the guy. Not as bad as you, you're in the clear, dude. Fair enough. I was the guy who had a uh, two like Game Boys. This is like way before Pokemon was super online, and I'm, I'm like trading myself to like you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but when you're building a competitive Pokemon team, I started with a central theme or a central point, and then I build outwards around it. So example. Any of you out there play Pokemon, uh, recently they've added the ability, well, kind of recently, to have weather in the game. So you can bring weather into a match, and uh, the weather can affect the Pokemon match. So uh, water attacks are stronger. Some water Pokemon have double speed. Uh, Thunder has like 100% accuracy. There's a lot of things that weather can do. It's really cool. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a rain team. So you start off with that central idea. It could be anything. And then you build around that idea. So I'm like, what mon do I want to have on my rain team? What strengths do they have? What weaknesses do I need to cover? So in the same way, you could do that with a Destiny loadout. Uh, just this past weekend, I was thinking, hey, you know what is really strong in Trials? High intellect. Because if you have a super, you can 
like if, especially if you get the super before anyone on the enemy team, you can push in relatively easily, depending on the super, open things up. It's a free round win. Now you've got orbs on the floor. Now your teammates are getting the orbs. They're going to get their super. So you start with that idea. I want a high intellect build. Then you build around it. Well, what am I going to do? You're going to stack intellect mods on top of it. Is there any gun I can do? Maybe like a pump action. A uh, cool guy has been running the ye old double pump action for a special build that we were goofing around with today. Uh, but does any of that sound familiar? What do you guys, what do you start with when you're trying to build your PvP deck? Same process, man. Same process. Idea first, then components, then tuning. So that's my three. How do you define the tuning process? Okay, so I'll give you an example from the start. Idea, I want a super suit because everyone's playing passive in trials. Components, I need dynamo on my boots so I can dodge to get a super. Frosties to cool down the dodge. Uh, I need intellect mods. I need high intellect armor and as high recovery and mobility as I can get because mo mobility cools down my dodge up to a certain extent. So then after that, it's tuning. How often am I dying to something? Do I need more grenade energy? Do I need more resilience? Do I need more dodge timer? What's that sweet spot between dynamo and mobility and frosties? It's funny that you bring that up. I'm going to keep going back to Pokemon. <laughs> when, you, when you have your team, right? You go mm -hmm. in on the online ladders. You're doing like mock battles, right? Against other people who have bad life priorities like me. Uh, you you win some games, you lose some games. When you lose the game, you're thinking, okay, why did I lose? Where is the weakness? I have a hole in my boat. How do I plug up the hole? So Cammy, like in the same way that you bring up the tuning, you're thinking after each match, did that mm -hmm. go the way I wanted it to go? What was not pulling its own weight? I think for most people, that process is there. But at the grand level, it probably is mostly just like, oh, my weapon isn't working. You know what I mean? You try a weapon, mm -hmm. you're like, hey, you know what? I thought it was good. I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go back to Heartlight or, or whatever. But um, that's their tuning process. But you can get so much deeper with the tuning on the mods and on your armor and stuff like that. And I actually wanted to throw it over to, wait, cool guy, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to go through my process. Go through your process, buddy. Talk to me. Uh, I, number one, start with resilience at six. Um, I don't know about you guys, some go seven. And what we're, what that's doing is it's surviving a two headshot, one body shot thorn. It's making a trust make you uh, be a three headshot, one body instead of a two headshot, two body. So you're making it harder on your enemy. So I start with six. And what I tend to do is I really kind of dive into what I'm trying to build. So we're talking about intellect. And just so everyone knows like how drastic it is with these stats. And I, of course, have them here. And we're going to talk about them real quick if that's okay. <laughs> Sure. Like, if you have tier one intellect and that's very hard to do, like, you're just going to luck into above tier one. Like, you have to seriously try. So you're going to get your base super in six minutes, 22 seconds. At five minutes, if you're, or if you're at tier five, it's four minutes, 31 seconds. At tier eight, it's four minutes. And then, like, so as you get up, the gains get a little bit smaller, if that makes sense. That's with all of them, really, except for recovery. And well, recovery, too. Recovery has, like, uh, Cammy knows... And mm -hmm. Drew knows about recovery, but I'll have them talk about that. But basically, like, I go into trials right now. I always have six resilience, and my intellect's at eight. So it's a four-minute super. That means two rounds, if it's just completely passive, I have it in the third round, right? Mm -hmm. But also, like, I'm using I, – I really like the Kepri Sting on the Hunter. So if you're using an exotic, like the Kepri Sting, that uses a melee, 
when you talk about the melee stat, getting it to tier 10 and tier 9 and tier 8, like, it's the difference between having your melee every 40 seconds or every minute and a half, right? So it's huge. Like, if you're not going to spec into strength for, for let's say, something like the uh, Kepri Sting, um, you might as well not use it because it's coming back every minute, 25 seconds, when you can get it every, I don't know, 40 seconds. So what I start to do is find out what I want to do in the game, whether it's be a, a Kepri Sting Hunter, whether it's going to be... Oh, like the Felwinter's Helm for the Warlock, very, very good, but you need a melee charge to get that to go off. So I'm not going to go in there with two strength. Like, I'm going to get at least eight or nine. Does that make sense? Like, I really buy into what I want to do. That way, like, I not abuse it, but, like, that's that's my main goal. Like, that's what I'm doing that game. Mm -hmm. You want maximum uptime for what you're, like, the main goal of your Exactly. Is. Right, that's what I call the component part of mine, my building. Yeah. Hey man, I mean, I know you're trying to shy away from that one word, but you can abuse it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, plenty of concepts. Has many people with the melee with the with the Felwinter and so on, like a frontal assault titan, right? Yeah. I, I want to get that uptick for my melee charge to get frontal assault going. Like, I really spec into it at least eight most of the time, seven or eight. I mean, like, and we're all familiar with the YouTube content game, right? I mean, there's sometimes when we go in, we want to make fun builds or just mess around have a good laugh right so i'm right. admitting with no shame i think i even titled one of the videos that like yeah i'm going to hell uh i went into pvp with this is like way back in the day when controversy hold was even better you know what i mean and i was like what am i gonna do to make my warlock super annoying in the grenade spam department you know what i mean controversy hold handheld supernova you got the highest discipline you got enhanced bomber a weapon with uh, what's the demolitionist? Demolitionist, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, what can you, if you just start with an idea, it's easy to put other ideas on top of it and you can build from like, you know, just start from the middle and then just build outward. Uh, and Drew. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was really impressed when I saw your Hunter on PC. I think it was a couple days ago. I'm very obsessive. Dude, it's very like, obsessive. I love it. It's, um, I'm trying to think of like the perfect analogy. It's like Drew, Drew's Hunter is a Jenga tower, right? 
And it's like he his whole mission in life is to get the Jenga tower as high as he can. And in that regard, he's trying to get his stats really, really high. Um, they're pretty high. They're pretty high. Uh, do you want to talk about your your number building process there on the old hunter? Yeah, so um, I guess in my loadout building process, it's like I start with one I like one of two ideas. Um, for me, it's either I'm going to make a build that is founded in something that I think is very powerful, um, powerful or consistent. Usually they go hand in hand. Or I'm going to try and solve a problem, which is like something that's an insane, like an insane or crazy um, counter to the current metagame. I talked about on Widow's Court, I threw on a Shinobu's, which is double skips on the Arc Strider, um, and a bunch of other things that essentially give me a bunch of uptime because the problem I saw that I needed to solve for myself on Widow's Court was people sitting in their scopes on angles sniping, which is like a natural thing that would occur on a long-range map. How do I get people to move from their scopes, move from holding an angle? Well, I'm going to use a grenade that, you know, is able to, um, I can use in safety, has good reliability, forces them to move, and gives myself an opening and give them maximum uptime for that. So it's one of the two. Another example of a build that's going to be like more so doubling down on consistency and the power of something is my like last word build uh, using the last word and lucky pants um, and either like top tree golden gun or, or spec, or you can even do top tree night stalker. There's different ways you can play it. But anyways, my point is you want to start with one of those two ideas. Um, in terms of the stats department, um, my rules for stats is uh, six resilience is the goal, like Cool Guy said, for all the reasons he said. However, um, six resilience is also the most important thing to me is six resilience punishes um, both shotguns and hand cannons quite a bit. So hand cannon range, we all know it was like there's a little bit more severe damage fall off. The higher resilience you have because you have a slightly higher health pool, when they start hitting for 66 damage or 64 damage, they're not going to get a three tap on you because they're going to be required to hit 68 with a 150 because you have six resilience, which is huge. That means as soon as they start hitting damage drop off, they're no longer three tapping. The other thing with shotguns against the aggressives, it actually tanks one additional pellet, which means if their aim is a little off or in the same principle, if they're a little bit farther, you can edge out of shotgun battles and, and win those just because you spec in your resilience. So me, I like six. I don't always have to keep six, but I aim for it. Um, second to that is recovery. Recovery, unlike other stats, seems to have dwindling returns between three and seven. It's very similar. Once you get to eight, nine, and then 10, uh, you get some really insane returns. You want to aim for like eight plus, I want to say at least eight. I sit at nine personally. So my stats, I believe, for reference, my stat is eight mobility, six resilience, nine recovery, four four melee, four grenade, and six intellect. Um, uh, so so yeah, that's my, my stat build. And it's also... Obviously, you have to find the perfect pieces in each armor slot to get stats like that. Uh, but you want to, in terms of stats uh, or the those kind of stats, the mobility, resilience, recovery, and that's kind of what you want to aim for. Mobility is up to you at your discretion. It's a lot about feel, a lot about um, how you think um, your your player movement feels, uh, your your ability to play cover. And for hunters, it's just instantly more valuable simply because it's tied to your dodge cooldown, and that's really important. Uh, Otherwise, uh, stat cooldowns for abilities is all about what do you want, what do you see the most value in, and what do you want the most uptime on. If cool guy likes Kepri Sting, he's gonna spec a ton into me uh, his melee um, or strength rather, 
uh, cooldown because he wants to be able to use the smoke defensively when he needs it, and he wants to be able to use it as wall hacks when he needs it. So you want the maximum uptime for that. So again, with Shinobus, you want maximum a lot of discipline, or Lucky Raspberry, you want a lot of discipline because you want to make the most out of the exotic you're using and give it the most uptime because you're committing slots to these things. So you know, Drew, that's my idea. I wasn't even thinking about something until you brought it up, and it actually ties into this pretty well. You can build a deck, and then based on what you're seeing in the game, you can actually rebuild your deck or change it on the fly in order to meet a certain situation that might have thrown at you. You know what I mean? Like, for example, what if you see someone on the other team with really low resilience? You could change your deck on the fly. If you're a Warlock, you could hop over to, like, Empowering Rift, right? And if, they, yep. if their resilience is too low, mm -hmm. turn up that Empowering Rift, all of a sudden, boom, Revoker hits him in the foot, and that Titan has a heart attack. Well, maybe not a Titan with low resilience. That's literally a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh! that's called using the side deck. Yeah, yeah, so I was gonna yeah, go into that. So yeah, so in competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! everyone has a side deck where it's essentially you have 15 cards that in between uh, matches the best of three, and in between those games, uh, you have a set of 15 cards that you've obviously, you know, like built as your side deck, so you can't just change that, but they're flex cards that are built to target certain things that you're going to expect. Uh, and this is like similar to Destiny as just having some things in your inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know that you might be you know, uh, facing, like you said, uh, people with less than five resilience, be like, I'm going to swap to Empowering Rift this game. Or uh, you can capitalize on different things by having them present and ready. Or I have a Vorpal shot for this, uh, for this super. Or for me, my flex, or like my side deck, if you want to call it that, in Destiny is usually is an Agu's Burden because it does an exceptional job of just destroying supers. Uh, so that's mine. Um, so yeah, you can totally just sub things in. Um when you see what what I like to call making a meta call. Sure. It's like you see the pace of a match or you see what people are using um, and you can make a call to what you believe will counter that. And this is where game knowledge really takes you far in Destiny. And that's a part of what I love about it. It's just having that knowledge of how what reacts with what. You can make those meta calls for your team. This is really good. We're going we're gonna to get into this right now. Um, because when you go in, obviously if you have a tool like DIM... And if you're at home listening and you don't know what DIM is, Destiny Item Manager, and if you don't use that, who are you? Um, you have that as a very deep, what'd you call them, flex cards? Side deck. Yeah, like side, side deck. deck. Side deck. Flex card. Yeah. Side Alternate deck. options. That's the really deep side deck. Let's all go around. When you're going into trials, let's say, I'm just going to pick trials. Uh, you want to be prepared, right? You want to. You want to just not have the guns on your body, you know what I mean? You want to use the space on your character. So, what is everybody's old faithful? Like, and you could, it, this could be anything. This could be pieces of armor. This could be weapons. Uh, this could be mods. Like, you know, maybe you have two different pairs of boots and you switch one back and forth depending on what the other team has or what loadouts you're going to run. What is I'm everyone's... I'm them now. I want to hear from Merc, though. I haven't heard from him in a little bit. I would bit. love to... Merc, kick it off, buddy. If it, what if you're going into Trials, your old faithful side deck, what do you have on your Guardian that you think you might need in an emergency? Uh, I always keep Knucklehead Radar sitting over there on the side. If I'm really feeling like I'm struggling against the team and they're just way more unpredictable, they're really good, they're taking advantage of me uh, trying to play. I'm, I'm more of a passive player in, in general, right? So I'm more willing to let my teammates push forward and me hang back and provide support. 
you know, I was a dad rifle user. I was a bygones Arental guy for a long time. <laughs> I'm not anymore, unfortunately, because they nerfed both my babies. But, you know, every once in a while, people always talk about knucklehead radar being a crutch. You know, it, it can be a crutch, but at the same time, it also provides you super useful information. And it, it can be the difference for me between life and death as some really aggressive players are playing a strategy that I'm not comfortable with or I'm not familiar with and I'm not sure the angles that they're going to be taking when they're pushing me. And I don't want to worry about dying because of a split second decision where I was ADS and I don't use radar tuners on most of my guns, right? So when I'm ADS and I'm bouncing in and out and in and out, there's a gap, a window where I don't see the radar and someone can make a move on me. And then, you know, if my reactions aren't right on top of it, that can be the difference between life and death, especially in trials. So normally I run Frosties as my exotic because I love the sprinting rapid cooldown type stuff and Frosties is my go-to, but every once in a while I'll swap over to Knucklehead when I really, really need it. And to me, that's a great uh, side deck, side deck exotic for me to use. Good to know. Um, yeah, agreed. Any, any weapons, uh, any other weapons that you would add to that list there, Merc? Bastion, man. And I, I think we might, <laughs> if we have time, we might get to talk about this a little bit later, but... I had a guy, uh, a, a listener on one of my other podcasts asked me about, because obviously, like I said, I was an Arental user for a long time. And Arental's taken a small backseat in the current meta because of the, the nerfs that kind of brought the rain in, range into a more reasonable uh, distance. But um, he asked me what I felt about Bastion. I remember I'd gotten Bastion and I'd tried it for a couple of games um, and was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty neat. Uh, but I never really gave it a real shake uh, until someone asked me to do a review of it for the other podcast. So I got on and I started playing with it and man, that gun is just uh, a different a different type of special. And uh, and so I'll, I'll put that on. If I'm really having issues with roaming supers or something like that, that gun does 630 damage if you hit all three bursts. So even with a 65% damage resistance super, it's going to shred them. And you can kill supers uh, as far out as 13 meters with it, right? So you don't need to punch melee. You don't need anything like that. So if I'm really having issues with a team that's just running stacked roaming supers, I'll switch to Bastion, and it's the difference between being scared of a Spectral Blades that's coming up to you and baiting a Spectral Blades to come up to you because you're going to be able to shut them down. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, you literally have the ability to kill a Thunder Crash out of the air with a Bastion. Uh, fact. So if I'm in the middle of a Trials game, just like you said, dude, it's the Super Shredder, right? Bastion's the Super Shredder. So you're in one of those situations where you're like, dude, we can bring, like, unfortunately, we're behind. We can bring this game back and win it. I've come back from worse, but the enemy team has roaming supers, and we know because of their intellect and the way that the match is shaked out, they're going to get their supers next before we do. So, like, right before that next round, I'm like, okay, quick, you just go into the, you just change the loadout real quick. Mix it up, put on the Bastion. Feel much more comfortable now. I mean, you still have to worry about a roaming super, but I would feel much more comfortable with the Bastion shredding an incoming, I don't know, spec blade. Uh, than I was with whatever I was rolling with before. Even if it's just that little bit of extra chance, you just swap your loadout on the fly. You know what I mean? You have to play kind of on your heels like that because it could mean the difference between you winning and you resetting your Trials Passage. Mm -hmm. Cool guy. What do you got for me? Well, like 10%. I mean, for me, I always make sure I'm ready. Like, I have every loadout because it really depends. Like, once you get in there... You're, you're kind of, you're, you're, it's a chess match. You're outplaying the other team. They're trying to outplay you. And you can switch around and come back with something that they don't expect. And a lot of times it'll work. Like, I always have, like, right now, there's a lot of Shinobus with Lightning Strikes twice. I've played three of uh, three Hunters on Cauldron with it, so it just skips everywhere. Well, 
from that day on, I now have a risk runner at all times. So yeah, lightning strikes thrice. Very right? smart. So what will happen <laughs> is yep. they Perfect. hit me. I'm taking less damage from the arcs. And most of the time, especially on Cauldron, they're going to be right next to each other. So I would pop out. I would say, I would tell my team that, I, that I'm charged up. And I would just lead it. I would knee slide and just start spraying someone. It will chain because everyone's close together. And we won a lot of rounds like that. Same goes like when I was playing Warlock, I was playing the Bloom Tree, top Void Walker. And when there was passive play, I would throw the supercharged Axion. So it makes them move, right? But I would also be at a distance when I could because I'm a Chromatic Fire Warlock. And if you don't... If it, so many times off of reses, I've gotten the kill and the explosion killed the next one. But if that isn't working... I flip it, right? So say I want to go shotgun, I'll put on the Ophidians. Blink shotgun into them. So like, just always being ready. It depends on how the team is playing. You kind of counter it. You almost have to. I wouldn't stay with... If, if it isn't working, it isn't working for a reason. True. How long do you go? Because I've, I've played a bunch of cards with Cool Guy. And uh, if I could only explain to you, those listening at home, this man is like the borderline king of he's like, all right, you know what? Lost one round. Didn't like it. Didn't like that round. We're mixing it up right now. <laughs> just, I usually, can confirm. Usually I'll give it like, it's very rare if I'll switch after one. or I'll give it like two rounds. You know what I mean? I'll switch in the game if it's something I'm preparing for deliberately. Uh, but if it's something that I feel like might be not working, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a little bit more time. But but I, th I feel like you're a little bit different in that regards, cool guy. So you change a lot. Do you feel yeah. like your your goal is like, I just want to find what's going to work right away, like right now. And you just keep going through that Rolodex of like hot loadout options till you find what's going to work for this situation? So solid on Rusted, solid on Windows. I mean, you'll play against three snipers, right? Technically against three snipers, if they couldn't see you seeing them and vice versa, it would play different. Mm. Um, a lot of times, I don't like there to be three snipers on my team. Uh, but mostly, like, with the Widows, a lot of people like to snipe. So I would take that, you know, I'm going to get point, or I'm going to take point, I'm going to go up there be up front, and then, you know, either with a fusion rifle or wherever it is. Like, if it's just a big standoff and we're losing picks, like, I switch at that point. Like, next round, I didn't like that. I'm going to go shotgun. I'm going to be up there front. So if there's ever a pick, I'm blinking right in. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So. You're like the... I feel like you could be the flex guy on your team. It's sort of like... You know, old school Overwatch, uh, like you want to fit the role yeah. of the team that you need right there. Because I've had people come in and be like, look at this freaking jabroni. He's got a mind bender on Widow's Court. It's like, yeah, well, my two teammates are sniping. So like if I, I mean, I could put on a third sniper. It would work on Widow's Court maybe. But like I want to have that flexibility. We need that role to have if someone rolls around the corner, bam, face full of <laughs> pellets, you're done. You know what I mean? It's It's good to have that uh that role when you need it depending on what it, it could be a gun could be a class uh it could be a play style you know what i mean merc is like as he just said he prefers to maybe hang back be a little support role and that's good to have you know what i mean you would need someone like that on your team uh if you had three mercs i don't know if that would be like the most ideal team it does not work it does not work well <laughs> so i can tell you <laughs> It's so funny. I just want to bring up one more thing. Like, there was passive play. There's aggressive play. Rusted Lands played really good in my opinion. I loved Rusted Lands. But another thing that I started doing was I started bringing out symmetry against passive teams. So I'm not sniping, but what I would do is I would get at least four headshots, and there would be 
coming a time, either we get a pick or they get a pick. I would hold X and then I can two shot them with the scout. It was super cool. Like it worked so well. And I can't wait to try it on different maps. So that's another weapon I was trying out that was doing, uh, putting in good work. I may have to add it to the, uh, the side deck. Cammy. Okay. You're like, this is like the perfect, I feel like this, you were made for this question. It's just like, <laughs> if you're going in, I feel like I could give you any number. I could give, I'd be like, give me 10. I won't start that high. Give me five weapons that you would bring uh, to a loadout. Like, um, I don't know, a mid-sized trials map that you would feel like these five weapons could put in work no matter how I play. Oh, I do it with the whole 27, man. Oh like, my God. Give me I as many as you can. thing on the dim. It gives me a pretty <laughs> balanced setup for anything. What's your what's your favorites? Uh, the important components there: yeah. high impact snipe to punish resilience. Okay. Uh, close range hand cannon, long range hand cannon. What would be a good um, close range hand cannon that you feel like it's kind of like your jam? Last word or old fashioned. That's a good answer. Okay. What about a long and range hand cannon? That would be the explosive kindled orchid or thorn for me. Nice. So I even have them bo in both slots too. Okay. Good. Good. And that is because I also bring a mountaintop, so the sticky nades are really useful. Give the people ben, give the people a little bit of a taste, because I know that okay. you, yeah. How would you use the mountaintop in trials? Give me a little. So the sticky nades do 180 damage, and if you get a booster such as an empowering rift, a sunspot, frontal assault, something like that, mm -hmm. if you have a sticky nade on the floor and someone runs over it while you have that damage booster up, they just die. 200 damage. So. That's pretty crazy. Sometimes mountaintop is the call because you you maybe die to a shotgun duel too much and you think, well, let's just anti-ape. Let's put the sticky nade right before he slides into my own feet and at least I trade. Uh, yeah. It's the new Telesto. Yeah, Dude, Telesto would, too. Just Telesto is the new Telesto. <laughs> so many people using that again. I love everybody's favorite problem child weapon. Uh, I think the last <laughs> time we were on the show together, Cammy was talking about what were you talking about Widow's Court? And Cammy was Widow's like, Court Telesto. You know, it doesn't have damage drop off, man. That's planted in the map. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to add Telesto to my side deck. And I brought it into Rusted Lands. And goddamn, I had such a good time going flawless. <laughs> it was like a time. <laughs> it was like a, it was, I was in a 1v3. And uh, I pulled it off, even with multiple revives, because they keep coming back. I'm like, all right, go for the revive. Just spray it. Like, you just, I got so much ammo. It was just obnoxious. Spraying it on the floor, spraying it on the wall, coming around the corner. It might not get you the kill every time, but if you know that they're coming, or if you know they're going for a revive, they're coming into at least half damage minimum. Just take out whatever mm -hmm. your, your primary is, and bam, bam, they're back on the ground. Uh, it, it was just really effective. I think that I'm going to hold on to that for... Uh, trials matches moving forward because there's sometimes when you're just like yeah you know what it's time for a little purple rain but yep. uh what other guns you got cammy keep it going so keep the primaries going we got a pulse and a scout for just adjusting to the team overall every answer i give you here is going to be me playing a counter i'm more of a jack of all trades in this game so i feel comfortable playing the hard counter to anything rather than what i feel good with that day i trust myself much more to play to their weakness than to play to my strength. In a scenario where me, Cam, and Sides are playing, which is our main team, like Cam is going to be the person 99% of the time that makes the meta call. Like what I, you know, the, that's the, just the term that I use to define like, hey, they're using yeah. this. I know this. This counters this well. I'm going to do this because this is now going to give them our time. 
Exactly. And it's really the matter call. The final component there, as far as the weapons go, this is the only thing I pull on nowadays is if we match a hacker, a cheater, an aimbotter. Mm. And what it comes down to, two rounds in, we make the call. All right, no one's peeking anything now. We're playing very safe. Fighting Lion comes out, tracking nades come out. And it's so funny. You'll hear like the most evil laugh you've ever heard, man. Just <laughs> hear a flux go around corner, then a fighting lion splash for the cleanup. You see the little name in the kill feed. You're like, oh, the aimbot's dead. Let's go clap him. <laughs> Dude, I've actually been present. I jump on, I jump around on all platforms. So the times that we do get to play together, Cammy, is just really fun. And I just, I actually get <laughs> almost excited when we get matched up against a cheating team because Cammy's like, all right, boys, here's the plan. And then I'm going to do this. And then that like, it, it happens yeah. every single time, like without fail. Yeah. So good at it. It's very funny. I think there was one time where people were, they were teleporting around. And so it was like the instant call became, all right, we're going to back up against the wall. Uh, you drop the Titan barricade. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, and then the people—they tried to teleport. It, it was just hilarious. Yeah, like, we are frustrating people... cheaters. Like, think about that in terms of playing a counter. That is the funniest thing to me. So funny, people. God. <laughs> it always sucks to have cheaters in your game. Of course, the number one solution, of course, is to have all of them removed and beaten with rubber hoses in the street. But like, how funny is it that someone spent money on cheating software? They go into a game, they're like, attempt to farm Elo. All of a sudden, they try to teleport behind you, and they're trapped in mine and Cammy's <laughs> Titan barricade. <laughs> and we're just smacking them in the back of the head. It was hilarious. Yeah, thanks for the we ran. Like. <laughs> uh, do you got more? You got more guns, Cammy? Uh, I'll switch to armor. Guns yeah. is more like in the power weapon, but sure. that's not applicable to trials. Power isn't right. as important. But sometimes you make the call, you know, tractor cannon needed, whatever. Sometimes colony. Power actually comes up multiple times around, by the way. So just because you have rockets doesn't mean you need to use them immediately. True. Uh, go on to some armor then. Uh, Titan has the coolest one, but I'm going to talk about Hunter because I mentioned that super suit earlier in this podcast. Sure. So the super suit has the frosties and dynamo dodging, so I can dodge near opponents and charge my super. And if they're extra passive, as long as I'm within that like radar 
center cone, um, I can dodge and get some super energy. And Frosties refill the dodge. And I'm guaranteed if everybody plays complete stalemate for the whole two minutes, I get one super per round. But it gets even better. There's the tuning now. I start switching around the gear. I switch off of Frosties and onto the Raiju's harness. And so now I have an extended block on the Arc Strider, and I can cancel the super. So sometimes I end the round with about a third of my super left just to start the next round. My teammates may be getting an orb if all things go well, uh, but they'll also passively get their super that next round. So it just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. And eventually, maybe by round three, the enemy team realizes what we're doing, and they have to play aggressively. <laughs> and so that's where the other side of the loadout comes in. Ace of spades and a shoddy, just tried and true. It's a classic. It punishes sure. slow play more than no. third person play. Yeah, it does. For that, what is your NLX stat? 10. You do 10? You just do go he all meant, in. He meant Every on the second armor. counts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bad joke. On, uh, on Titan, though, it, I have so many flex options. On Hunter, that's my only one. Maybe mm -hmm. Gemini Jester, too, if we have to like run away from a Dawn Blade. But sure. That's, a, that's not a bad Titan, idea. It's go everything, man. Every part of the Titan Exotic I switched to. Sometimes on a round, I'm like, I'm going for a Synthesep Ballistic Slam off the rib. And my team's like, all right, we're behind you. Sometimes it's a triple. So good times. Good stuff. Sometimes we go Doomfang Pauldron to get an early super early in the match. Yes. So you get a melee that's quarter yes. your super. Yep. Uh, sometimes we're like, we're actually using the bubble. Helm of Same 14 goes on the round prior. Uh, sometimes, you know, multiple just... supers are coming up around later. So you mm -hmm. plan ahead. Passive play and armamentarium, so you have two suppressors. Good call. Definitely a good call. This is fantastic. I don't mean to keep putting mm -hmm. the spotlight on, on you, but like I could just sit here and listen to you talk for an hour about all this random Warlock, I don't have too many flex options. <laughs> yeah. I would say the Chaos Reach Geomag's probably the, the call for Warlock. Maybe Luna Faction on occasion. Warlock is uh I have a lot of fun, goofy options. I don't know if it's like if they're rock solid. I, I feel like, let me go down my Warlock list. I have uh, the Transverse of Steps. I feel like those are a good baseline. You could open up with those. I feel like those are always okay. Uh, I am really a big fan of um, the uh, the Escape Gauntlets. Uh, you know, you, you the Getaway Artist. The Escape Artist, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Arc yeah. Bodyguard. Those you, are strong. You summon the Arc Buddy. What was that? They're strong in trials, man. I don't, They're I don't strong. understand why I don't see them in more. Dude, I, I think it's because people, every time they come out, people are like, oh my god, look at this guy. Can't even land his own shots, so he's going to get a little arc buddy to shoot for him. But it's fun. dude. So, you would go <laughs> tier 8 at least on your stat, right? On your discipline stat. I go real high, yeah. yeah and I'm not even kidding. If you have your discipline high enough, and you have those gauntlets in your warlock, Mm-hmm. You're like a one-man team shot, and you're not going to – it's not a guaranteed 1v1 win, but you feel really confident because, like, you know those times, and we've all known those times where you charge someone, you're in a 1v1, didn't turn out the way you thought, and then they, they just have a sliver, man, just that that thimble of health, and you're like, damn it, if I had just landed one bullet more, he'd be in the ground. My arc buddy, his name is George. My entire chat knows George. George comes out. We get George chance in the chat. It's just fun. It's just great. I think it's a great piece of armor to have. Um, I the astrocyte helmet. I think that's a really good one. I I'm really wondering why I don't see more people with that. I think it actually works pretty well with shotgunning. Uh, I have a friend, Joey, 
who is a super hardcore, when he wants to be a warlock ape, he'll just put that on. If the other team is playing, maybe we fight a team with three snipers, right? What's the weakness? Uh, they can go, we can go up close. We can, we can ape them up close because they're expecting to fight at mid to mid long range. They want that hard scope. All of a sudden, boom, blinking over the wall on Rusted Lands, bam, Astral Horizon right in the face. Uh, I would say mm. those are my main ones. I would have to get really wonky uh, if I wanted to go outside of that. Uh, Ophidian, also still pretty good. Uh, not really flashy or sexy, but like if you want another baseline to start off with a Warlock, I think Ophidians are pretty solid. If you want to use a shotgun that you feel like, hey, I got a good roll on this, but it's not as snappy as I want it to be. You know, Ophidian's not going to completely correct that, but uh, it's good to have, right? You know what I mean? What's up, cool guy? Yeah. One more thing. Yeah. Like, it has no street cred. It's the Bombardiers, man. Um, the You're Bombardiers. Talking yeah. about this too. He's a big fan. Yeah. Dude, like, it's kind of like the Arc Buddy. It's literally free damage out of thin air. Like that. That's how I think of it. Right. And it's tied to your dodge, which you can run high mobility and get your dodge back. And if someone rushes you, you just shade steps, uh, shade steps straight backwards. They're gonna run into it. Bombardiers yeah. are great. I was so actually going to say, I'm going to say the word. I'll yeah. um, okay. get Drew the segue here for you. I'll <laughs> say it. Uh, so Drew's solving a problem over here with that process. And we're over here both, man, they keep sliding into us with invincibility. And what does he do? Yeah, Go so I was, uh, you know, like I said, um, my thought process for making builds is I need to solve a problem or solve, you know, anti-meta, you know, make the meta call or double down on something. Another example of solving the, a problem would be uh, Antaeus Wards is a very uh, interesting one at the moment. So uh, I was kind I of playing around these, with just what, what, the, I, I don't think anyone yeah, knows about these. These are these seem uh, these seem really underground, Drew. No, very underground. Yep. You know, not really used too much. Yeah. Um, Antaeus Wards are very strong, and I was kind of thinking of a loadout that um, would counter this. Um, and I, I think Bombardiers are kind of a very unique way of punishing people for sliding in like that because, of course, it's going to detonate. Um, well, as you're backing up, you can do things like use your utility to, to obviously get damage and obviously try and push some shots. But you dodge backwards, you, you know, make a gap between yourselves and them, you break tracking a little bit, and by the time their cover or their uh, their shield comes down, you have your little morph bomb, what I call it, in Metroid reference, I guess, <laughs> uh, blows up and... Does a really good bit, uh, you know, good, really good amount of damage to them. So it's a it's a fun, interesting way to counter that exotic if you're, or yeah, that exotic if you're running into a team using them very frequently. Uh, that yeah. Was classified top secret info there, Drew. So <laughs> <laughs> it's out there in the wild. No. Uh, yeah, those boots are wildly popular and effective. Uh, they're just everywhere, and I'm not gonna lie, I've been using them because they are super fun. And uh, not to plug myself, but uh, I did put out a video there a couple days ago on what you can reflect. Drew, add that, uh, add Telesto uh, to your anti-Antaeus Ward uh, Rolodex there. Dude, Okay. because even though they have the ability to tank pretty much everything in the game for whatever reason, and I did this about a dozen times, we were never able to once get an Antaeus Ward Titan to tank Telesto damage on the floor. So even if you if you slide over it completely during the activation, dead Titan. Uh, if you stop short in front of it, it's just stopping short enough 
to anger the Telesto, Dead Titan. Uh, no matter, even if you try to to look at it as you go by, if like if you're gonna pop it, you're you're pretty much gonna hurt the Titan. Uh, That's great. That's already a video right there. We get three of us Good right when the round know. starts. All right, everyone, sanitation, sanitation. Shoot him with the Telesto. And <laughs> yep. Your teammate's stuck. I love it. Solving a problem. Uh, you know, speaking of Titans and cheesy builds, uh, eventually something is going to happen to Antaeus, and uh, Titans are going to have to find a little something else to use. Uh, I have a recommendation of something that's probably only slightly less cheesy, but is even more fun as a Titan. It's Heart of Inmost Light. Uh, the chess piece and depending on the titan class that you run it can make your grenades one shot so your fusion grenades are like d1 fusion grenades where they one shot you lightning grenades do 195 damage right so all heart of inmost light requires you to do is pop a barricade or use a melee and it mm -hmm. empowers all your other abilities right and so what i do when i'm using heart of inmost light is i spec into uh I basically spec into whatever it is that I want to try to abuse. If I'm on uh, like a solar Titan, I'll use hammer strike and then I'll use fusion grenades. And I think the timer is really long. It's like 10 seconds or something afterwards that you have one hit kill fusion grenades. So you can hammer strike someone for a kill and then go hunt someone down with a one hit kill fusion. And meanwhile, your hammer strike is recharging faster because you're empowered. And then you can use it again and again. With striker Titans, uh, I'll use double lightning grenades and I'll pop a rally barricade, throw a lightning grenade right at the start of the round. 195 damage that'll one shot pretty much anyone that's not like seven resilience or higher right there off the bat so you know i, I don't i don't know if it's ever going to be meta the way antaeus is because it doesn't block damage in 360 degrees around you 100 but it's uh it is every bit as fun and cheesy and no one ever expects it no one ever expects a lightning grenade to one hit kill them no matter how many times i do it people still don't seem to react to it so those are the type of games where you get the post game message just like i'm about to you're gonna get banned bro my yeah. uncle works for nintendo yeah. i saw I that you one, one shot at me with it was reported <laughs> dad works for dustin yeah. how much did you pay for those grenades sleeping. yeah what do, what do i get reported for oh your grenades one hit kill me oh yeah <laughs> read the description of the exotic yeah. i'm running and be smart bro check yeah, back in a month when i'm still here for it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i feel like i just want i got dim open right now i can just quickly burn through in terms of uh you know going in with your your side deck like what weapons i i'm a big fan of that i'm, I'm pretty sure if i'm going to go into, into a game of trials almost always going to have these tell me which ones you agree with maybe which ones are in yours maybe which ones you disagree with i got a uh, astral horizon shotgun chaperone got it mm -hmm. got it i got oh, bastion yeah yes uh i got Ace of Spades for controller. Yes. Map dependent. Map dependent. Okay, fair. Uh, I'm going to let Drew pick up on this later. Uh, one that I do not yet have in my Rolodex. Last word. Not yet. Every yeah. time. Drew, Drew raises the eyebrow. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we got the hard light, but that's boring. Uh, I have the Arantil. I have the, uh, the Giant 7. You guys down with that? The pulse rifle? You got disruption break dragonfly. What you rocking here? I've got a. Mine only has rangefinder firmly planted. Oh, that's even better. Uh, firmly planted. For Drew, his favorite two words in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have the last hope sidearm. I still think yes. that's really fun. Yeah. Uh, I got Telesto. I got Mindbender, of course. I'm my newest one that I want to add. Devil's Ruin. Yeah, you, you guys mm, down. Devil's Ruin is great. Devil's Ruin is so much. I made that Ruin. prediction, dude. Yeah. People, it's gonna be fierce in trials. 
I'm really trying to make that my new jam because like people really get surprised by it. Um, trying to, I mean, you could also add like, oh yeah, not forgotten. Yeah, everyone, you know, not forgotten. You know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, oh, power weapons are boring. I guess I could talk about power weapons anyway. I usually bring rocket launcher with a huge blast radius. Uh, you know, just for power around because you're not you're not really gonna focus on that too much. But uh, I just feel like it's a simple, eyes closed answer. You know what I mean? No, you got a rocket launcher. Good. Huge blast radius. Cluster bombs. It's not gonna define your trials match but it could help out oh no it defines my trials match man i get the plus five to intimidation i i use only the button <laughs> um i also have the black talon on hand just in case i feel World it and, zero man swords Sword shoulder drum. charge for hunters with an aoe that one hits anyone right <laughs> and the lunge range is like 10 meters it's crazy it's pretty good it's pretty fun and it's not just for <laughs> for peeking around corners and stuff it's just it's i think it's a fun weapon um uh, and because you know you gotta be a little bit of a basic bitch sometimes i got the word clip coil right it's hard to deny but the anti-everything yeah. <laughs> yeah the anti-everything you know tank beats everything I've... word clip needed tracking <laughs> desperately uh <laughs> what what other weapons you guys have that i may have left out that you got in your side deck so for mine um so i I usually choose, like, these are all the weapons that kind of stay in my inventory. Um, I usually choose one of the combos to main depending on the map and what I feel comfortable with that week. Lately, it's been the last word in Twilight Oath or a sniper of some sort. Um, again, typically last word Twilight Oath. Uh, and my I, I swap off to uh, Chaperone, Not Forgotten, as my shoddy combo. But if I need a normal shotgun, I go Not Forgotten and Astral. Or, as of lately, last word in Mindbender's Ambition. Yes, last word shotgun. Whoa, dude. So, is when I've been rocking. It's yeah. pretty bold. So before you Very go into bold. each round, you, you pray that the enemy will be within, like, what, 25 meters of you? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it depends on the map, but I think that uh, not a lot of people expect it. If my team makes a call to play aggressively, I think that I can close the gap effectively. That's um, actually a pretty good call, if, yeah. You know, if they're if they're playing zone, like for example, on a map like Rusted Lands, where that whole like kind of crazy engagement happens at the B flag, especially near the wall, Last Word can hang in that range, and I, I was making good use of it, um, especially with Lucky Pants for the instant swap. Just I can, and I have a I use shotgun dexterity as well, so I have a shotgun dexterity stacks with quick draw. It's only a few frames, but I'll take any bit I can get because I want the fastest swap speed. Period. Uh, so I can go, you know, put in damage with mind banners, instant swap with lucky pants, the last word, clean up with Falato, go to the next person, put in a few shots, instant swap back to mind benders, pop them. Uh, it's actually like really, really fluid and interesting and a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that, that that's kind of the weapons that I keep in, on hand. I also keep Izanagi's burden. I mentioned that because um, if it is a more passive match and we're deciding to play a bit more passively and for for a pick, well. There's an Aggie's Burden. If you get times four, you can get a pick a little bit easier with a body shot. Uh, or if I'm anticipating supers, I've sniped supers a countless amount of times, just decimated supers with Izanagi's Burden. Um, <laughs> that could be Thunder Crashes I've sniped, uh, Dawn Blades, uh, Spectral Blades. I don't know. Like it's just, And it completely turns the tide of a match. Uh, so that, for me, as much as I rotate between all those little weapon loadouts, 
that's my ultimate side deck option. Uh, I find it's just like just universally such a great meta call. That's a good call, man. I've seen you put in work with the Izanagi. It's it's like I feel like it's one of those moments when you're watching somebody either on YouTube or especially live on Twitch. Uh, you know, Drew gets the ammo that he needs, loads the power bullet, and like you can see on the enemy team, they get the supers lined up. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Izanagi does the gradual glow of the barrel as it ignites, makes the amazing <sighs> sound. Like, oh, I love the weapon. This has My nothing favorite. to do with anything, but yeah, the, dude, the audio on the Izanagi's burden, it's like a sick, it's a sick gun. I love it. Oh, too. it is my favorite gun in Destiny history, as I refer to it as the the Divine Blade. I love it. That's pretty awesome. So awesome. Uh, I got a handful of questions from people who need answers, boys. Uh, I'm really enjoying this discussion, though. Anyone got anything else to add for the, the side deck? I feel like that went really well. If I could, I mean, add a little bit of closing sure. remarks, I guess, to our little discussion about loadouts, which I'm sure we're going to be visiting a lot in the future, Yeah, is that a lot of my enjoyment with Destiny comes from this deck building aspect this aspect that you get to, you have this massive sandbox of things and you get to equip yourself with knowledge to make loadouts that double down on the effectiveness of, of something um, and give something absolute uptime or even just create something that counters what you're most commonly going to see and make like the, might, uh, make life difficult for people. Um, I love that aspect. And I know that it's a little irritating sometimes or you know, could be annoying or tilting to go against a strategy that seems as cheesy, but this is a way that I temper myself. Um, just remembering that, look, uh, this game, this is the nature of it. This is the sandbox. Doesn't mean that you can't give feedback. This is the nature of it, and it's up to you to make the best deck possible. Whatever they're using, that is the deck they've chosen to create, to make, and you get to essentially, you know, throw your tilt measures back at them by creating your deck. So that's the little you know, two cents of how I avoid kind of tilt through the sandbox and just find enjoyment in it personally. Let's say for everyone listening, like if you've never played with an eight or a nine recovery, try it for a game or two. Uh, things like six resilience, like that that's my number. It, it survives so much. It creates so much... Uh, pains for your enemy when you have six uh, resilience but or let's say it could be controversial it could be anything say you want to use your grenade like really spec into it and play a couple games and uh kind of find out what you like and what you don't like that's what i would recommend good call boys good call i'll pick you back off both and say that's the reason i play destiny and like it as a series and so i want to mark this as a point to reference for the future this whole episode whenever the topic of weapon retirement and that sort of thing gets brought up because it puts a big damper on keeping that knowledge throughout the entire game and collecting weapons so that you have more options to tune a loadout with. Mm. That is a good point. That's a good point. Well, we go down a very long road talking about that type of thing. I, I just was, wanted to put the yeah. little the flag, <laughs> yeah, the bookmark that's, here. That's another day. And yeah. seed planted for episode five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good stuff, boys. Good stuff. Let's move on to questions. How about that? Uh, here's one from Russian05. As a Warlock main, what subclass is the most competitive on console? And what exotics besides Ophidian and T-Steps would you recommend? 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Top Tree Dawn. Both. Top Tree Dawn is pretty <laughs> straight fire. I would think that a lot of people who I play with, who I consider fantastic players, Uh, on both platforms, uh, they you see a good top tree Dawnblade, whew, that is a sight to behold. Uh, and yeah. not just on the big maps like Widow's Court. Of course, they are very good there. But, uh, dude, you can make a top tree Dawnblade work almost anywhere. You get that free air dodge. The, the melee is just crazy effective. It's, it's a good class. I would absolutely recommend giving that a whirl. So Warlock yeah. is like my least used class. So whenever someone asks me a question like this, I think about what gives me the most trouble in PvP, and it's definitely the top tree dons. I mean, the way they're able to play with their in-air abilities is so totally, it's not sandbox breaking, but what they can do is so different than every other subclass plays that, you know, when you slide into a room, you look at certain parts, right? Like you have your familiar places where you think to look. But then those freaking warlocks, man, are just always somewhere else. <laughs> Floating up in the center of the ceiling or directly above the doorway or like, it's just, it's the places you don't expect them to be that they can be. And that's what makes them so powerful. And that, so, I mean, as a hunter main, the warlock that gives me the most trouble is Top Tree Dawn. Dude, how are uh, controller players and big dogs exactly the same? Uh, they can't look up, bro. Can't look yeah. up. <laughs> they actually talked about that at Bungie when they talked about why they made inner accuracy bad in destiny compared to it being perfect like it was in halo really and they said because it's so much harder to it's so much harder for controller players to engage on the y-axis which is the up down instead of the x which is the horizontal right True. so they originally had uh i don't know how much of this i should be saying so i probably am gonna regret <laughs> this, but they originally they had a test where there was good in-air accuracy and yeah. uh basically what happened is everybody played in the air all the time because of the jump abilities that they have. And almost sure. none of the game was played on the ground, right? And so strafing suddenly didn't matter. Any abilities that were ground-based didn't matter. And what ended up happening is, is that anybody who couldn't aim up and down easily, which is a large majority of shooter players who aren't really, really good, uh, just got left in the dust. Basically, it blew the skill gap out, which is a positive or a negative, depending on the way you look at it. But it blew the skill gap out to an insanely wide margin. 
and you know i i kind of want to see what that would be like i dude i to be honest like a, i'd imagine it's very strafe twice jump on the third i couldn't imagine it in destiny uh, I honestly don't think it's actually very far from where we see a lot of MNK, top level MN carried players playing. They play their vertical space in, incredibly well. They do, yeah. And they, <laughs> they have a decent degree of consistency. Like you see some of the best players in the game playing Hunter or Top Tree Dawn. They're up in the air and they have their Icarus mods always. Um, you know, they use their Top Tree Dawn blades. It's very, uh, it's, it's close. I would imagine it's close. It's the most important thing for an MNK build, in my opinion. If I could give up my radar to have perfect in air, I would. And that's why there was that one exotic. I, was it Celestial Nighthawk that was supposed to originally in D1 mm -hmm. when it got yep, data yeah. mined, provide inner accuracy, and they took that away real fast. It was <laughs> never got to release. Year one, like fun fact, Damn. man. Uh, the non-ability jumps would have perfect inner accuracy with the year one Nighthawk. So you could use it with blink. You hit the short hop, then the last word hit fire at the face, then blink, and you know it's going to land. That's, that was on D1? Can... Is that still a thing? D1. Yeah. Not sure if it's still a thing, but it was. Hopping on D1 tonight, boys. Let's go. <laughs> Speaking uh, of the uh, question or in your accuracy, I was going to say that um, I don't ever, like, really... I, I'm in Hunter. I don't play Warlock often. But mm -hmm. when I do, it's always Top Tree Dawn Blade with Wings of Sacred Dawn. There's your answer. I was just going to throw yeah, that one that, to Drew. Yeah, you that, have not that is lived. my favorite exotic. You have not lived until you've seen my boy Warlock. Drew with the Chaperone and the Wings of Sacred Dawn. That could... But you probably have a bunch Chaperone of Chaperone and drain. Consuming, consuming a grenade is nice and all, but why not just put it on an exotic and have it all the time? There you go. That's what wings is. And damage resistance. And damage resistance. That's true. That is true. And less flinch. <laughs> it just does everything. That's why I love it. So. Um, next question. By the way, if you're at home listening to us, it's like the fourth time I've said that, uh, and you have any questions for us, we usually take questions on Twitter uh, during the week. Keep your eyes peeled on Twitter for opportunities to ask questions which we may or may not answer on the show, like right now. So we got a question from Stylize. They want to know, is it worth running as many mobility mods as possible? What does mobility actually change and do? Changes your strike speed and your jump height. And yeah. if you're a hunter, it changes your class ability cooldown. So for me as a hunter, yeah. I do run a lot of mobility mods, you know, uh, especially if you pair it with something like moving target, this is coming from a controller player that also increases your strafe speed when you're ADS, you can juke faster than people playing on low sensitivity can follow, um, which is nice because the jukes don't get enough credit in destiny, right? In halo, that was a big thing. Like how good your jukes were in destiny. It doesn't get enough credit, but when you're in primary battles, one V one jukes, jukes will save your life. So yeah, in my opinion, I do run a couple mobility mods. Oh man, what were those boots from D1? Those hunter boots. They were green. Radiant Dance Machines. Radiant Dance Machines. Dude, I love those. Oh, man, those I would back. love those to come back. I would absolutely love those. I to remember, come back. yeah, like I was intentionally I wanted to build a deck and it was focused on like, dude, I want to have a hot strafe. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like there there were certain builds, I think with those boots, you could strafe while ADSing, like yeah. yeah, like you were sprinting. Close to run speed, yeah. yeah. It seals away yeah. to Fizzle's power in Destiny 1. Yeah, but um, yeah, to answer the question, get back on to what Merc was saying, yeah, um, mobility, if you got a really high mobility, you're going to, when you're ADSing your weapon, you're going to move real quick. And it affects your first jump, not the ability jump, though, correct? The neutral jump, correct. yeah. Correct, your neutral, neutral jump. jump. So 
at the end of the day, you know, a hunter with higher mobility is still going to jump higher overall because that first initial jump is going to go much higher than if you had like, you know, lower mobility. So you're still going to get that overall height in the air. Um, how much emphasis do you guys put on mobility over, how to phrase this, cool guy? I know that you focus on it's your key resilience too. number. When you change, like, especially between low and yeah. high mobility, like, if you're struggling with your shot, remember, when you're changing those things, and, like, for a controller player, if you do a lot of left stick aiming, which means um, you get, with your right stick, your aiming stick, you get it on the head level, right. and then you strafe with them with your left stick. That way you're keeping it very accurate. So it's it's changing muscle memory, or at least it could, when it's super low versus super high. So, like, I, I usually keep it around six, because if it's lower than that, I feel it. Um, if it's higher than that, I feel it, if that makes sense. Uh, I would either have to commit either way. So I know a lot of people, you know, want to get their hand cannon shot better or this or that. Um, that could be a big thing. So just keep that in mind. Keep that yeah, in mind. Keep it, keep it consistent. I was going to piggyback off that, and I totally agree. So when I talked earlier about, like, mobility is about what feels good to you, um, it's, well, it's, it's two things. It's definitely what feels good to you, like you said, because for me, I'm someone that also... Um, aims with my strafe, if that makes sense. My right stick, a lot of the time, is reserved for flicks to get on target and mainly just recoil control and compensation. So holding down or flicking down a little bit, depending on the weapon I'm using. My left stick is doing the majority of the aiming um, or trying to just line myself up with targets a lot of the time. Uh, I like nine mobility or eight or nine mobility usually. Um, and... Yeah, so it's really what feels... If something feels too fast to you when you're aiming like that, turn it down a bit. If something feels too slow, turn it up a bit. You will see a lot of top-level players put a lot of value into mobility, though. Lots into recovery as well. Mobility and recovery, I think, are the biggest value points for a lot of the top-level players that you'll see. As much as resilience is still important, they value those things because it's how fast you're going to get back in the fight. But also, mobility is responsible to how quickly you can peek in and out of cover. So mm -hmm. how effectively mm -hmm. you can use your you know your your cover so that you can get out, put a shot in, take advantage of even peekers' advantage a little bit and get damage in, and get right back in so they can't you know get damage on you. And the more you can do that effectively, the more advantage you're going to be able to push. Uh, that's why top level players also love mobility. Um, there was a mention of mobility mods, and I do want to mention that powerful friends yes. is the yes. best mobility mod. Mobility no mod, mod, but. Powerful Friends is a mod that I believe still comes up um, on rotation from the Gunsmith, available for purchase. Uh, but it was originated in Season of Dawn. It has a functionality to it, but the main functionality that everyone likes is if you have an, another arc mod slotted with it, it can only go on arc gear, it gives you plus 20 mobility. That's uh, an integral part to how I'm able to get such high mobility in combination with all the other stats I have in my build. So Me too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like you can use it on more than one piece of armor you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. you can you can crank that mobility and that's why you see a lot of if you're if you're if you're ever in a match of pvp you look at a hunter and you're thinking to yourself why is that hunter wearing blue gauntlets you know what i mean uh there are gauntlets for a hunter that people are putting on intentionally because of the way their stat distribution falls on the armor mm -hmm. they're trying to max out the stats that to them are the most important uh they might not be putting too much stock into discipline or intellect or or, uh, or strength you know what i mean but they're trying to focus 
on those key stats that to them super important you know uh, it's mm-hmm. mobility recovery uh and resilience and you, you see people stacking those blue gauntlets with a ton of powerful friends because you're they're trying to just absolutely crank uh, is it possible to get three armor stats on, on 100 yep that is wild i would think so uh, yep, yeah i is. haven't seen it but just thinking about it on paper it should be possible to get three stats at 100 which seems wild but uh yeah it is wow got a little off track there uh tldr yeah mobility is good <laughs> very good <laughs> yeah use it um here we go here we go where is that next question okay this question is from drew walker i mainly play titan in your opinion what is the best flavor crayon no sorry in your opinion is there a subclass or tree that stands above the rest for trials if so which one and why and what exotic armor would you pair with it who's our resident titan main wants to take that one i've been like a crown eater mains uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that we did i thought we were all the superior classes here <laughs> I'm gonna say missile titan on that one. It got a pretty significant. Uh, now the ballistic slam activates inertia for free, so extra damage just for hitting the slam. Mm-hmm. It has increased knockback, so nobody can shotgun you immediately after it. And then the super is just the I win button that can rocket around the map twice. Like that is a that's, really fun that's super. a slight exaggeration. I think on <laughs> endless veil it can make it around the map. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to try that. You can also chain the ballistic slam into the missile to extend that distance even more. And then when you throw on like the, I don't even want to be giving people these ideas, but like Antaeus <laughs> Ward's getting the super early. It's it's yeah. nuts. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't oh, know. Oh, and then Antaeus Ward's, you slide into, your your teammate dies, right? Drops green ammo. Uh-huh. You slide over the green ammo, inertia override, extra damage. Now you can body shot with aggressive. Nuts. But the second pick is going to go to Code of the Commander on uh sentinel has a big shield that blocks everything so that's a free revive and then the heat seeking shield it's very obvious you throw it and it finds them knocks on their door like the duolingo owl like not joking around <laughs> uh yeah i'm not a titan main but as mercules said earlier i try to envision what pisses me off when i fight a titan and uh dude uh, yeah, code, code of the Missile. When a Titan, there you you go around a corner and you see him in the air, you know what's coming. But it's still hard to counter, even if you know what's coming. They are going to soar in. They're going to pound the ground. They've now knocked me out of shotgun range. Uh, God help me if they have the Dune mar- Marchers and I just chained Death Lightning to my friends in the back. You know what I mean? It's very irritating to deal with. Uh, it's super effective, though. Perhaps too effective. (laughs) (laughs) For another day. (laughs) Any other recommendations for Titan? You can't go wrong with Top Tree Sentinel. I mean... I think it's a classic. Yeah, the bubble's clutch. Yeah. yeah. Although it it still cannot uh, generate orbs on Super Pop. Feels Uh, bad. Everybody, take your drink. If you have one in your hand right now, please uh, pour one out. For our buddy DFP, Shake, no generating orbs for the bubble. Oh, sorry, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, pour one out for Shake. Actually, repping the merch right now. <laughs> yeah, nice. Love you, buddy. Yeah, pour one out for Shake. Um, but yeah, it's it's still a very good tree. Uh, the bubble, if you save it for you know a team that's stalling you, 
and there's what like 30 ish seconds left on the clock dude go to where the overtime territory is do they not have any supers popped that's a free round win dude you drop that bubble on the overtime territory they, they are really gonna have to work together to knock you off of that hill uh yeah, big fan you timed it right you can have an armamentarium you have two suppressors for the for that time yeah boo yeah um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of bottom tree Sentinel as well. The double shield throws um, and shield bash when you pair it with Doomfang pauldrons. Because mm-hmm. Doomfang pauldrons obviously gives you super energy when you get a melee. Shield bash is relatively easy to get a melee kill with. Less easy now that they've changed the tracking on it, but it was probably warranted. Um, and then the fact that you get a second shield throw, well, your shield throws recharge energy when you have Doomfang pauldrons. So you can throw a shield, recharge some energy, throw a second shield, if you keep getting kills with that, you'll have time to run all the way around the map. It will basically fully recharge your super. I mean, you know, it's much more effective in sixes when you can basically just throw shields blindly around corners and, like Cami said, let them hunt people down. Because um, once you bounce, I don't know if people know this, the way the mechanic works, but when the shield bounces, it will bounce in the direction of one of the nearest targets, right? So it can mm-hmm. actually bounce damn near backwards if you throw it behind someone. It's kind of like hard light. Um but you know, slightly less annoying. So my favorite thing is like, if I know where people are spawning, I'll just chuck a couple shields into the area where they're spawning and I'll purposely bounce them off walls. I don't even have to see the people because I know the shields will redirect. And if it redirects off the wall and hits someone, when it redirects off that person, it will aim at the next target. So you can throw two shields and get four kills. And with Doomfang Pauldrons, you know, you just recharge almost all of your super energy and you can do it again. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to be captain on America, the... Uh... Yeah on the Titan subject and not go into this one, but mention it. I see a lot of tourney players go bottom tree striker because of knockout. Mm-hmm. It is so good, oh. but on the receiving end, it is so annoying. When they rear back to melee, they desync oh. the melee, teleport oh. somewhere, and then right when you line it up, teleport again. And you oh. just can't recover from that naturally. It's something My about the networking soul. just doesn't agree. And My soul dies every single time. <laughs> I die inside. Every single time I get meleeed and their character whips back and forth because there's something that's not being translated right and they just rubber band everywhere and I can't I can't hit them and they can double melee me. And then I, they have I frontal assault. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. You know it's an effective uh, ability when you it's bring It's the it number up. one thing that triggers me in the and, game. And Drew makes like, a noise like he has food poisoning. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Oh, terrible. Yeah. We we got a, here's a challenge for you guys. We have one question left, but we're shy on time. Can we answer it each with one sentence? Yes. Then we can do mm-hmm. that. Okay. It's a lightning round. Final question. From Terraberg. I know I'm pretty good with a couple of off-meta loadouts, but when things are serious, I usually default back to meta stuff. How do you gain the confidence in yourself to play those non-meta picks when it really matters. One sentence. Who's first? Make your own meta. I love it. Drew. I would say only use things you're truly confident in and use your knowledge to determine why you're using them. I got a... Here we go. Confidence comes with practice. Ooh. There you go. I want to different. Yeah, just play a ton, man. Booyah. Any others? Good? I think that might I think be it's good. confidence. Be confident in yourself and what you're doing. Booyah. You see, D 
DCP, regular DCP, that's how you do a lightning round question. Ah. I love it. Pope's not here to shots tell fired. me to. Yeah, I'll, I'll fire shots. Hit him with the what, what, what are you going to do about fired. it, Pope? What are you going to do about it? Casting shade at you, baby. That's how you do a quick question. Ooh, ooh. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> we're going to go around the room and uh, tell everyone at home where they can find us. Cammy, where can the people at home find you? YouTube.com slash CammyCakesGaming and Twitch.tv slash CammyCakes. Beautiful. Cool guy, where can the people find you? YouTube.com backslash cool guy tips. I'm also on a path to partner on Twitch. It is backslash I underscore am underscore cool guy. Um, we're almost there. You have great streams. I highly encourage people to check you out on Twitch. Oh, I love doing them, he, He's late to the game, people, but I'm telling you, uh, he's crushing it. Check out Cool Guy on Twitch. Uh, Merc, where can the people find you? Twitter.com slash Mercules904. And uh, anywhere podcasts are sold or played, Destiny Massive Breakdowns podcast. That's my baby recording tomorrow night. So. Booyah. Drew, talk to him. You can find my uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Drewski's channel. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Drewski's channel. And on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Drewski's. Good man. I'm your host, Fallout. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash falloutplays. You can find me at Twitch, twitch.tv slash falloutplays. And uh, Twitter, at falloutplays. Just type that into Google. You'll find me. It's not hard. Uh, thank you for those of you who came out to the live recording of this show on Twitch. Your support means the world to us. And uh, to all of you listening at home, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support. We love this show. Uh, we're going to keep it going. Uh, we will see you in two weeks. Hit us up on Twitter with questions, anything that you have, and uh, we'll keep Topics. bringing the show. Topics, yeah. Anything you want to hear us talk about. Uh, you know where we are. We just told you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Take care. See you next time. Peace. Bye, guys. See you. Have a good one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.